You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd cover a couple of different things. I wanted to discuss a major development for the Winnipeg Jets in signing a contract extension to one of their players, and then also go over some of the scores from around the league and talk about Winnipeg's upcoming schedule a bit. The first bit of news to discuss is, in fact, Adam Lowry signing a five-year contract extension for around $3.25 million per season. This contract is a bit of an interesting one because I think it says a couple of different things for the Jets. The first is that they have their, you know, third or fourth line center locked up for the foreseeable future, which, all right, when it comes to depth contracts, I'm usually not a fan of these. I think a lot of times NHL teams tend to overcommit to these sorts of uh, long-term depth player deals. We definitely know that this is a habit of something like, say, Jim Benning from the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the reason that you really don't want to do this sort of thing is that you're committing a lot of term and money into assets that are maybe not quite as useful for your team as you might think. Lowry's problem is more that he's kind of getting on the older side, he's like 28, and his very physical punishing style does tend to sort of wear down your body pretty quickly. And I'd say over the last season or two, his performance decline on the ice, especially in terms of like his overall impact on the game, has definitely started to become noticeable. This year, I feel like his overall impact is is fairly, um, I, I don't want to say neutralized in a lot of ways, but like defensively, he's not as good as he used to be. Certainly offensively, he's not really creating as much, despite having a lot of points. And this may sound a little bit strange, but just because you're actually scoring like a career high in points doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one who's actually driving this point success. Playing with Andrew Kopp has certainly driven up his points total this season because Andrew just seemed for a while to be to be uh, scoring and finishing quite a few chances with Adam. I don't know that they were actually all that great as the season wore on, especially in play driving ability. The defensive resilience that that line has been known for has been decreasing, and I think the Jets are just in a state where... Lowry is probably on the downswing of his career. I, I'm not saying that he's like a bad player or anything, although I probably would split him and Cop apart, but I kind of look at this contract and I'm just not really sure about it, you know? The the price itself isn't that bad. I think 3.25 is, is okay, and certainly he is a fan favorite, and I, I'm definitely partial to Adam. I think he's a fun player. He seems like a super nice guy. He's definitely kind of one of those players that long-term for the Jets has been... I would say like a cult favorite, a fan favorite, somebody who the, the players and fans all seem to adore in equal measure, very much a team player, not afraid to drop the mitts and stick up for his teammates. He's very hardworking. It's just when you look at the kinds of contracts that get handed out to these players, it's a lot of very similar types, you know, Jay Beagle, Scott Lawton. And while there is a role for a lot of these players and some of them are actually quite good and quite important, I think Lowry is kind of at the point of his career where unless something really changes, 
I don't know if that level of importance is going to reflect itself inside of his play. And with the amount of contracts that the Jets are going to have to contend with over the next couple of seasons, it's just, eh. I think the biggest thing that definitely sends warning flags to me is that Andrew Kopp is also needing a contract extension, and the last time the Jets kind of dealt with him, there was a bit of an arbitration case situation. Kopp didn't really seem super happy. His next deal is going to be looking more like $4.5 or so per season, and my guess is it's probably for like three or four years rather than a long-term deal. I'm, you know, I'm kind of at the stage where I don't really know how the Jets are supposed to handle this. I would say that if you're going to not extend Cop, then you do need to figure out if trading him is the better option. I would say that Appleton is one that I would definitely protect. Cop is is good, um, and certainly somebody that I would love to have on the team long term. But I certainly know that that's probably not on the cards. He has been playing a lot in the top six. His contract ask is going to be pretty high. I would imagine that some team is going to very much make sure that they bring him in. If not, even the Seattle Kraken somehow. I mean, cop to the Kraken would make a lot of sense in many ways if, if the Jets were to end up having him go there. I wouldn't be thrilled about it. I feel like I would prefer that they get an asset for him while they still can. But I guess I can understand why they might choose Lowry over cop. I think Lowry is more happy to be in Winnipeg. His dad works for the team. Even though I would probably still prefer cop over Adam, I, I sort of get it. Uh, and and sort, sort of this... Um, I don't know. It feels like it's a little bit of a redundancy in some ways. You know, you've got David Gustafson coming in too. You've got some roster spots that you do need to open up for some of your prospects. I don't know if I love this deal. It's fine. I would say it's not bad. I, I think that that's something I should make very clear. I don't think it's a bad contract. It's just sort of like, okay, you know, and it's definitely like a loyalty deal. It's the kind that you would see most other teams sign if they, they feel like they uh, have a really hardworking guy who's grinded and certainly has put himself in a good position to earn it. I guess my only other question is why they didn't really wait until the Seattle expansion draft to kind of get this done. I know that on the open market, Lowry's probably looking at more like four, four and a half million per season, which again, it's not like an ideal state. I think that the hometown discount of sorts that he took probably does favor the Jets a bit, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel kind of 50-50 on this contract. I don't really dislike it, and I don't really love it. You know, it's kind of a strange state. I would say that most people are probably pretty okay with it, which is probably where, at the end of the day, I'm kind of sitting. And if things go really bad and he somehow declines in like two to three years to the point where you can't really put him out on the ice, I, I could see some team maybe paying for him, like a fourth or a fifth round pick maybe or something like that, and the Jets could maybe retain some salary and move his contract off the books. But I don't know that it'll really come to that. You do have to wonder, though, that if his, his injury history and stuff eventually does catch up to him because of the style of hockey that he plays. He's definitely not quite the most defensively resolute center that he used to be, and the play-driving ability has kind of declined a bit, so maybe at some point the Jets are going to have to sort of plan for a future without him. I'd love to know how you feel about this contract, so be sure to let me know at HLLivingLocal or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter, and maybe on the next episode on the following week, I'll talk about it a little bit more in detail. With the Jets news out of the way, it is time to take a look at some of these scorelines from around the league over the past couple of days and talk about some fun storylines that have developed. Before then, though, I thought you should hear about Blue Nile and their wonderful line of specialized jewelry, 1010. A capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative design styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds sourced responsibly from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. 
They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and they're fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. When I checked these out, Michelle Fontachi's ring stood out as the one I'd buy as a gift. It's a conversation piece so unique and cool. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this one out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're taking a look at scorelines from around the league, including some news concerning the Winnipeg Jets. But before we go any further and taking a look at some of how the other NHL teams are doing, I did think you should hear about why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And now for some NHL scorelines from around the league. Yesterday we had a couple of interesting ones. I I think some of these are going to be a little bit surprising, some maybe not so much. The first is that the now Taylor Hall-led Boston Bruins defeated the New York Islanders 4-1. I don't know if Hall actually recorded anything more than like an assist or maybe a goal, but it was certainly a big game for the Bruins. They've definitely needed their second line to get going. Hall has been slotted in there, and it seems like already he's going to be an improvement. I think the biggest question is, you know, Anders Bjork immediately had the same amount of points or even more than than Taylor Hall did in his first couple of games for the Sabres. So, you know, how much is Hall going to improve it? Obviously, under the surface, I think things are a little bit different. Bjork's probably like a middle six player and Hall is frankly a top six creator. I think it's always important to actually keep the real context inside, and Hall is somebody who is is very good at helping your team improve in the small details and stuff, especially when you want to create scoring chances and get into the slot, but he's always fallen a bit short when it comes to finishing on his opportunities, so that's something that he'll definitely want to improve upon and and hopefully get back to doing. He used to be a very big points machine, certainly uh, goal scoring wasn't much of a problem for him. You know, he's not always like the world's top, you know, foremost shooter or anything when it comes to that sort of stuff, but... Like three or four goals throughout your entire season, probably not that bad. You'd expect him to be like 25 or 30 goals at least. Up next, we had one of Taylor Hall's old teams, the New Jersey Devils, losing to the Rangers 4-0. The Rangers might be a little bit of a problem going forward, especially if Igor Shesterkin actually continues to perform in net. This team is definitely still working on a lot of the details. I think that that roster is still, for my my liking, a little bit on the thin side. It's it's not particularly great, but they certainly know how to create some fun offense. Um, Vitaly Kravtsov is, is definitely in the lineup now. He had what he thought was supposed to be a goal, but it got chalked off eventually. That said, I would have to say that uh, the Rangers fans are probably still excited to see him continue to grow and, and really develop for that team. They have some exciting young pieces, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, just to name a few. And certainly the forwards are hoping that Alexis Lafreniere and uh, Philip Hedel continue to take steps forward. If Shesterkin can actually be the real deal in net, that team does have an okay starting foundation once they continue to add some good prospects and stuff over the next several seasons. I, I don't know if they're going to be like a playoff contender any time inside like the next four to five years, but certainly they might make a couple of appearances and at least they'll be a tough out. We then had a team that's supposed to be a really good playoff contender, the Washington Capitals losing 5-2 to the Buffalo Sabres. And this one's a bit of a funny one. Anthony Manta did actually score in his second straight game for the Caps, but Washington in general was apparently very unprepared. They just weren't that good. I continue to be a bit skeptical of Washington because even though a lot of this stuff under the surface looks positive, I'm just not 100% sure about the team itself. The goaltending is definitely a question at times, but... Overall, I just feel like the defensive lapses that they have tend to really put the goaltending in a really bad spot. 
For some irrational reason, I just feel like they're going to get bounced in the first round. I don't really trust the way LaViolette has this team playing. Again, the Caps on the whole should be a pretty good team, and it's not like one game necessarily indicates Washington is in trouble. But there are some things with the deployments and sometimes how the team is, is managed and how they're creating offense I'm not exactly sure I trust this team. The Caps are one of those take-it-or-leave-it teams for me. I, I feel like they could go either way, and I'm not really sure which direction they're going to trend. Overall, I'm just a little bit suspicious of their success, and I'm curious to know if it actually holds out against continued quality opposition or whatnot. Up next, we had Carolina beating Nashville 4-1. The Canes have had a bit of an up-and-down season. Mostly pretty good, occasionally some really low spots here and there. Polishing the Preds off, though, is certainly no easy feat. Nashville has been on a bit of a winning streak as of late. They've won quite a few games since Matt Duchesne went out, which, of course, has become a meme among hockey fans. But aside from that, I guess the Preds, for me, are just kind of like an okay team. To my mind, they've probably been leaning on Eusaceros a little bit. They have been getting some really good contributions from some of their other players and prospects, like Ailey Tovenen finally starting to hit a stride and whatnot. But Saros and Nett, definitely one of the biggest pieces of their success in recent times. We also had the uh, the Florida Panthers battling the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay has had a bit of an up-and-down stretch over the past couple of games. Vasilevsky has maybe looked a tiny bit more mortal, and certainly um, their defense apparently has been a little bit on the leakier side. Maybe just some fatigue setting in for the Lightning, I don't know. They managed to beat the Panthers 3-2 in overtime, but the past couple of games for them have been a little bit of an eyesore. If I were them, I'm probably not quite panicking yet, but certainly during the postseason when you have very little margin for error, I'm sure John Cooper will probably be pulling his hair out just a bit. The last one we'll get to for now is Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh. The uh, Flyers finally won a game in a shootout against the Penguins. Apparently it is like the first time in franchise history that they've ever actually done this, which I can't believe they haven't beaten the Penguins in a shootout before. I know that you have to have certain conditions to even get to that point, but for as long as these franchises have existed and the fact that they've played each other so many times, for this to be your first shootout win is kind of insane, but it did lead to an amazing highlight reel shootout goal from, I believe it was Sean Couturier, who just did this unbelievable elevation of the puck while he was cutting across the crease. I suppose if you're going to win the shootout for your team, it's going to have to be in style, and Couturier certainly showing off why he's hoping for a really big contract extension, maybe with the Flyers, maybe with somebody else. There are, of course, plenty of other games to discuss, but before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you're no stranger to the fact that I love Built Bars. I just think they're super neat and delicious, but if you've never had one, they're the only protein bar that's more like a candy bar, with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, mint, brownie, and raspberry are great starting points, but you really can't go wrong with any of them. Toffee almond, orange, double chocolate banana bread, all of them are just insanely delicious. Of course, the mad scientists at Built aren't really content to rest on their laurels, and they're back and better than ever with a brand new lineup of six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As good as these flavors are, and believe me, I've tried them all, they're fantastic, they're still just as good for you, with most Built Bars clocking in at 200 calories or less, between 14 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're perfect for keto diets, as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. Don't delay, place your order today at BuiltBar.com, and when you're checking out, be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 to receive 15% off your next order. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some score lines from around the league. Of course, we know that the Jets won 5-2 from yesterday's podcast, but if you somehow missed it, yes, the Jets won 5-2. Woo woo, good times. Um, now moving on to some of the other score lines. Detroit beat Chicago 4-1. The Red Wings occasionally play functional hockey, not always. You never really know what you're getting with them. 
I haven't been following the team too closely, so I'm not going to say a whole lot. But, uh, you know, yeah, the Red Wings definitely exist. I know that much. That's that's about all I can say about them. If you want to know more about that game, I'm sure Locked On Red Wings will have exactly what you need. And then finally, we've got Dallas beating Columbus 4-1. Both of these teams, I don't really know what to make of them. The The Stars basically seem like they're teetering on disaster all the time, and the Blue Jackets are definitely on a, on a disaster all the time. They're, they're just bad. I don't really know what to say about them, other than somebody needs to rescue poor Patrick Laine before he just kind of croaks there. For tonight's games, we opened with Montreal beating Calgary 2-1, which, uh, not super shocking. I feel like the Habs have been a little bit of a mixed bag this season. There are times where they look exciting and fun, but there are also times where they just look really loose and kind of struggling just because, you know, they are missing some really top players. But I tend to think that that defense is definitely struggling a little bit. And, and losing Victor Mete, I don't really think was quite the improvement that you're uh, you're hoping for. Certainly not replacing him with Eric Gustafson, that's for sure. All that said, they saw the Flames off 2-1, to one, so congrats, I guess. Um, Calgary kind of needs to blow it up sooner rather than later, but we'll see how that pans out. I don't exactly know what Brad Treleving is going to do with that team. They're just not that good. Um, and then we had Boston beating the Islanders 3-0. I believe Hall actually did score in this game. Go Taylor Hall. Even if he's kind of an odd guy and a little bit of a strange one, I certainly still have a soft spot for him. I do think it's funny that he's managed to find himself on almost every mediocre or slightly good team, but still not a cup contender. This Bruins team is probably on the upper end of, like, decent, but not great. This is like Boston's worst iteration in some time, so I don't really know if Hall is going to actually move the needle, because basically you're chasing what you were before, which was a very good team, and now you're just like a decent to occasionally good team. But hey, he cost you like a second round pick in Anders Bjork, so I guess you're not really complaining too, too much. The final actual scoreline we had on the night was Minnesota defeating the Sharks 3-2. The Wild are, are definitely a... Uh, they're a team. I don't really know what to make of them. Cam Talbot's been good this year. Kirill Kaprizov definitely capturing score lines. Beyond that, don't really know that much. Um, you should follow Locked on Minnesota Wild. I'm going to plug our other shows for those folks because they've actually seen more of some of these teams than I have. I just know that the Sharks are probably not that great of a squad, but the Wild have been decent this year. That's about all I know of them. Not really looking forward to the uh, the divisional realignments when we'll see the Wild and some of these other teams again, especially Colorado. That one's not going to be fun, but hoping for the best. Tomorrow, we will see the Jets take on the Edmonton Oilers, which will be an interesting playoff preview. The Oilers are, uh, eh, I don't know. They're an all right team. I feel like the Jets have had trouble just containing McDavid because they've put out some of their worst matchups against that, that McDavid line. So we'll see if Vili Heinola or Jordy Ben draws in. I would expect Ben to get some time pretty soon if he's not already practicing yet, but we'll see about Heinola. Logan Stanley may come back in. I don't really know. Paul Maurice has been a little bit cagey about these things, and it's hard to get a read on how exactly he feels about it, so we'll see soon enough. But I'm hoping that the Jets pull off a nice victory. Um, you know, Winnipeg has been a little bit mediocre at times. Against the Leafs, I thought they were pretty sufficient, but I, I don't know more beyond that. I feel like this is one of those seasons where it's hard to get an exact read on if the Jets are decent or not, because while they are outplaying most of their opponents over the past five or six games, these teams aren't that great. So, you know... The Leafs are probably the strongest opponent that they've beaten, and even that Leafs team was missing, you know, Austin Matthews and William Nylander. I, I don't know if that says a whole lot, or if we need to read it with a grain of salt. I'd love to know your thoughts on where you think the Jets are or where they're going, so let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. That will wrap up your thoughts for Locked on Winnipeg Jets on tonight's show, though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Be a waiver wire winner with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS league. 
Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.